Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of March 5th, 2020, including coronavirus is starting to impact the year's biggest tech and gaming events, Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary has surprise launched on PC, I've finally beaten Hellblade, Senua's Saga, and more. to a weird and slow episode of Xbox On. Uh, this week just feels weird. The news is kind of light, and I'm assuming that actually has a lot to do with coronavirus, and while I hate giving more clout to this talk about this virus because I think media is just abusing the hell out of it uh, at this point to scare people and keep them clicking and watching, I mean, it obviously can't be ignored. It's greatly affecting you know a lot of businesses, as we'll get into in today's news, but I really think by this point, Sony was planning on talking about the PS5, and maybe even Microsoft was willing to talk more, but they were waiting on Sony, but I think Honestly, coronavirus has stopped a lot of things from happening, so game news in general has kind of come to a screeching halt, uh, and so as a result, we're left with kind of a slow news week. Aside from that, I just had a weird day today. I woke up at 4.30 this morning to go over to Disney's Hollywood Studios to ride the uh, brand new Mickey Mouse ride that opened today as at the time of this recording it's Wednesday I'm sure absolutely none of you listening are remotely interested in that unless maybe you are who knows maybe you're into theme parks but I just had a I'm in a very like theme park state of mind today I've just been at Disney theme park since like 4 30 this morning and I just recently got home and I am sunburnt and exhausted but anyway that's all unrelated information let's jump into this week's comments and shout outs and all that uh, but actually oh, one one quick note I did want to make last week's episode on YouTube just for context because as I said on the show I don't like I've got nothing to prove I've got nothing to hide so like this show isn't massively successful by any stretch of the imagination I'm just I'm just amazed that anyone listens to this show and I'm greatly appreciative of anyone that that has ever listened to the show but usually like an episode averages out around maybe the 200 listens max between you know all podcast services SoundCloud and YouTube combined uh, but for some reason last week's episode just did unusually well on all services but namely YouTube it broke a hundred hundred views on YouTube you Usually an episode caps out around like 2030. So thank you so much if for whatever reason you are a new listener who found it on YouTube and, and thought there's something in particular about last week's episode that was super insightful or interesting. It must have just been, maybe I tagged it right. Maybe it was just an SEO slip up and it showed up in more people's search results. But nonetheless, I'm really happy to see that the show did well last week in particular. And just across the board, last week's listens were up tremendously and I just want to thank again just thank you to anyone who's listened to the show it's weird watching this show grow because as of course it's to an extent humbling just because I don't know why anyone would want to listen to me rant my opinions about Xbox considering I know absolutely nothing compared to anyone else in this industry or anyone else in this fandom rather it's just yeah I mean there's just so many other shows to listen to so many better shows probably but yet people are, are coming in and sitting here and it adds a little bit of pressure I'm not gonna lie because now I feel like I have to deliver this like quality podcast whatever the hell quality is you know in air quotes because I don't think this is a very high quality podcast but I do try to be organized and, and deliver something that's at least serviceable so I guess I'm, I'm doing something right but yeah again mostly to all of you thank you to anyone listening but I will continue on with some more snarky sarcasm because no one likes watching someone blush 
or listening to someone blush into a microphone for 10 minutes talking about themselves. So for our comments, shout outs a little quieter this week in terms of like big, interesting, thought-provoking comments, but Dead Captain James, our regular here, comments on my, my commentary on the, the Xbox Series X Power. Now, of course, as I've mentioned before, I don't claim to know like anything about hardware. I'm, I'm very illiterate with these kinds of things, so just bear with me whenever I have to talk about this stuff, because it has to be mentioned if it's in the news, but I don't know a lot, so I, I appreciate you, people like you, Dead Captain James, for coming out and kind of pointing out some things, because I don't know, so it's nice that you're here to help educate the audience, but nonetheless, he, he says, considering 12 teraflops is more powerful than a $600 PC graphics card, then yeah, I'll pay $600 for a Series X without a doubt. By the way, a teraflop, because I struggled to kind of explain what that was, he says, a teraflop is kind of like horsepower in cars. It's just that the compute power of graphics processor. There is currently only one PC GPU stronger than 12 teraflops, and it's a 2080 Ti. I assume that's uh, one of those things that you Overwatch people are into. And then he continues on by saying, you had to keep in mind that PC parts are so expensive because they don't really have competition, so they're overpriced. But Microsoft is using AMD, and I don't believe it will be over $550, in my honest opinion. And so, yeah, I guess that's kind of true, just because, again, I don't I don't know, like, I'm, I know a lot of graphics cards are made by NVIDIA, but I do know a little bit more about processors, just because that talk comes up a lot more in, like, personal computers and cell phones, and I follow that stuff a little more closely. And I know, yeah, it usually is, like, especially when it comes to, like, cell phones and, like, a lot of portable computing devices, it's almost exclusively Intel or ARM. So it's like, you know, there's not a lot of competition. It's just these kinds of guys naming their price and dominating the market. So I guess that makes sense from that perspective. But then, yeah, you also got to keep in mind, it's like when when you're buying a single graphics card to build your own PC at home, they can charge out the ass for that kind of thing. But when you're Microsoft, which is undoubtedly one of AMD's biggest customers, as Microsoft has used, used AMD quite a bit in their consoles, um, then, you know, you're going to cut Microsoft an enormously great deal because they're going to be ordering your units in by the tens tens of millions you know so you want to you want to offer microsoft a really competitive deal so they don't go to i guess whatever the other default competitor would be which i mean i guess it's not really nvidia because i i'm pretty sure microsoft sony and nintendo almost always use amd exclusively that's not true i think nintendo's used others before but uh, the name escapes me, the, some other big one. But, I, I mean, I know AMD is, like, the de facto for Xbox and PlayStation consoles in general. So that would make sense in terms of cost. You know, obviously, they get enormously great rates and pricing. But, yeah, it's again, just if the Xbox Series X is to have, like, super expensive PC specs in a more affordable console, that's just going to be an amazingly competitive advantage for this console. But I also really don't think that Microsoft is all that worried again about getting out the, the largest number of units i think again they're really concerned about having a slew of hardware options available for people so that you can find the right place for each individual to play xbox games rather than saying everyone has to buy the one definitive box and that's why we see you know game pass on pc and in project x cloud on handhelds and these rumors about new form factors of xbox that might be a little more digital focused or might be a little less powerful but still be quote-unquote next generation gaming so I, I think all these things are all playing in together because again we're trying to serve we're trying to have a piece of hardware that caters to all corners of the market rather than just trying to convince the market to jump on one specific box and then our other comment this week comes from Lethal Migraine, kind of playing into more of this, this spec-related info on Series X. He says, 
According to Digital Foundry, for those of you who don't know Digital Foundry, I guess they're also a news outlet, but I, I really only know them for their YouTube channel. He says the Series X will have some tech in it not even found in PCs yet. It was announced today that not only will multiple resumes work with the Xbox, you can also reboot the console and still be able to instant resume the Digital Foundry breakdown, and he posts the link to the uh, video. So go ahead and check out Digital Foundry if you want a really in-depth 30-minute discussion divulging all these all these new details about the Xbox Series X. They're always very comprehensive and obviously know a lot more than I do and are able to put into terms that make it easily digestible and understandable for all. So that's it for our comments from last week. As always, don't remember for future weeks, don't be shy, reply. Next, let's get into what I've been playing. But before we get into what I've been playing, let me tell you what I've been eating, which is healthy garbage. I actually got a new smartwatch this week, so I've been kind of re reignited my love of uh, of uh, of step counting and and things like that. My new my new smartwatch likes to tell me constantly two things: my heart rate is way higher than it should be, and my stress level is way higher than it should be. And I don't really know why, so. I've been just trying to eat some veggies and, and, and uh, breathe a little more and try to maybe not push it with my edgy Mountain Dew Taco Bell lifestyle that I've that I've so proudly assumed over these past 10, 15 years. That being said, Wendy's, Wendy's fast food, Wendy's burger place, that fast food, Wendy's, you know Wendy's, you know Wendy. Uh, they started doing breakfast this week. It looks very, very good. I've been following them on Twitter, watching people post pictures of their of their Wendy's breakfast items, watch Wendy's kind of throw shade at the other fast food breakfast competitors. And man, I'd like to try some of that Wendy's breakfast. So if you're not like me, if you're not trying to be healthy, please go and uh, vicariously, allow me to vicariously live through you by consuming some Wendy's breakfast. Let me know how it is. Other than that, I've also been getting the itch to go back to Chuck E. Cheese and get some Chuck E. Cheese pizza. A lot of people don't know this, but despite, you know, if you're like me and you and you still enjoy Chuck E. Cheese pizza, but you obviously can't be showing up to Chuck E. Cheese locations because you'd probably be kicked out and arrested and called a pedophile, then you just you just go ahead and order order over the phone and pick up the pizza and, and, and take it home. It's still delicious. I still love Chuck E. Cheese pizza this day. I'm not really embarrassed to, to, to say that. And, uh, frankly, if you think Chuck E. Cheese pizza is bad, it's probably because you're, uh, you're closeted about, about your love of delicious pizza. And because you're probably eating garbage pizza, like, like some New York thin sliced bullshit. So eat a goddamn Chuck E. Cheese pizza and stop judging me. It's better than you think. All right, let's actually get into some video game talk. What I've been playing this week, it's just been one game. I, I finally finished Hellblade which is just kind of sounds pathetic because it's really not a long game. It's like a six-hour game. It's just absolutely not that long. Uh, but, yeah, I finally I finally finished playing it. I, I have a few more thoughts on it. And um, I got to say, yes, like every like most people tend to say, Hellblade is very good and very unique. Actually, maybe I, I wouldn't say very good. It's good and it's very unique. And I appreciate a lot of the things it does with the kind of psyching out the player a lot uh, without getting into too many details just because I don't want to spoil it, although I guess at this point it's not really spoiling the game's a few years old. But, I mean, there are a lot of mechanic things and, and kinds of conventions of gaming the game the game will kind of suggest to you to kind of psych you out and think you're supposed to be doing something where you're not. And there's just there's a lot of creative twists like that. I guess I guess one thing I'll, I'll kind of spoil, like, for example, some combat scenarios you think, like, am I supposed to win this combat scenario or do I just give up because this horde never never dies down these enemies keep coming and it's like yeah you're supposed to you're supposed to die you're supposed to give up it's part of what the game's trying to convey to you and then there are just these moments where it's like obviously you're supposed to go a certain way but the voices in your head are telling you like no that's the wrong way to go and it's just it's kind of cool to see that you know these commentaries and these kinds of plays on like on psychosis and being a doubtful and self-hating and self-loathing person and just kind of seeing them play out in in gameplay mechanics 
by just being like, you know, you have to be defeated to progress the story. And like, you're supposed to have like this really advanced audio technique where you just hear these voices in your head telling you you suck and that you're going the wrong way and everything you're doing is wrong when you're in fact doing the right thing in the game. It's just really interesting kind of like flipping conventional gameplay mechanics with like, I don't know, like commentary and in, in, in story about depression and psychosis and just mental illness and just kind of throwing it all together and seeing what comes out. And in that regard, I really, I really commend Hellblade for being such a unique game and in, in just venturing to do something so different and in a lot of ways really succeeding with it. But in a lot of ways, the game kind of infuriates me because Sometimes I feel like it's trying so hard to be vague and cryptic and, and interpretable, if, that, if you can say that. Is that a word? That I feel like it's just nonsense. It's one of those games where it's like, ah, I de- to really get the full effect, I'm going to have to play through this game a second or third time and then read threads on the internet and maybe do some more research on these kinds of themes it's tackling and really kind of synthesize what's going on here to, to really pull out some meaningful commentary and, and, and uh, value from this game. And to me, the game was just not fun enough for me to really want to do that. So that was kind of my hang up with it. Puzzle solving, which I, which like makes so much sense in the context of the game, uh, kind of frustrates me because I hate puzzles. And while for the most part, they're pretty easy, um, some of them were just like a little obnoxious. And I just wanted, I, I like the game when you're walking and listening and taking in story. And I like the game when you're doing combat. But when you're doing puzzles, it's really hit or miss. And the game is very puzzle heavy. So, so there's, I felt like about at least a third of the game, I was just kind of constantly begrudgingly just grinding through because I just had to do puzzles. Now the combat, I will say, while kind of simple, but intentionally so, is pretty satisfying. Now that should come as no surprises. Ninja Theory is obviously well known for their uh, hack and slash uh, more action oriented uh, gameplay. And yeah, they, they implement it really well in this game. And there's some mechanics with the with the combat that just really play well like like not being able to hurt certain enemies without really get, earning a focus meter and then being able to hone in and focus on your enemies uh, to really gain like consciousness and, and control over yourself in the scenario. Again, playing into that whole like the message of the game and then the conventions of the or the mechanics of the game and kind of pairing them nicely together. Yeah, I thought I thought overall the combat was pretty awesome in the game. And yeah, overall I enjoyed it quite well. Like I said, I don't think I got the full effect because it's something I'd had to sit on more and think about more and maybe even play a second time to really get the full effect of, but it just the game overall like I wasn't that invested in the character or the story or the world of the game enough to really sit with it and take it that far, but I did enjoy my one playthrough. I am glad I got through it, and definitely one of those games that feels satisfying to check it off the list. For those who are keeping count, which I know absolutely none of you are, that me- that is that now marks three of the five games that I said I intended to beat last year that were on my backlog that I hadn't got to, that I've not gotten to. That is Hellblade, that is Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and What Remains of Edith Finch, meaning that the last two are Control, which I'm still waiting to either go into Game Pass or become super cheap to buy, or and Red Dead Redemption 2, which I will say uh, it's on sale this week. It's $30 right now. So last night I did download Red Dead Redemption 2. It should be fully downloaded on my Xbox now. It is happening. The wheels are turning. I am going to venture into Red Dead Redemption 2. And, and, and again, to reiterate, the reason why I was waiting for Red Dead to go on sale isn't because I don't think the game is worth $60. It's worth, I mean, just by looking at it, the sheer amount of content and, and detail that went into that game, it looks like it's worth way more than $60. But there is such a high probability that I'm going to give up on that game after just a few hours that I didn't want to pay full price because I don't want to, you know, just spend money on something I'm never going to play. So that's why I was waiting 
so long for a sale on that one, but nonetheless, I'll get into that one soon. I don't want to jump into it quite yet. The price was right, so I bought the game, but I'm still waiting a bit because I definitely want to get into some more Anthem now that I'm done with Hellblade and kind of extensively play through at least the main content, the main missions of of Anthem before jumping into something else. So that's my plan for this upcoming week. And now let's jump into some news, which I've been putting off because it is a rather slow news week. Uh, but we'll make it work because that's what we do here on Xbox On. We find a way to make a 20-minute show take an hour of your pathetic week. So let's get into the news. All right, our first story is actually pretty much our first two stories are basically the same story. So I'm kind of combine them here, but let's talk about that stupid coronavirus that won't go away. All right, so it looks like the effects of coronavirus have impacted one of the year's biggest events as GDC organizers have announced that the 2020 Game Developers Conference has officially been canceled. The event was supposed to take place March 16th through 20th, but after so many big names like Microsoft, Sony, Amazon, Facebook pulled out over concerns of the increasingly present virus, organizers of the event thought it best to just call the event off altogether. Hopefully the event will recommence later in the year as the official statement for it reads, quote, we fully intend to host a GDC event later this summer, end quote. The virus has already affected numerous other spring events like Mobile World Congress, for those of you in the consumer tech, hobby industry, whatever, and the, the Geneva Motor Show, which I assume is a car thing. Here's hoping that E3, however, is, is safe. And then speaking of E3, this is kind of our second story, so we'll just tackle them together. Organizers of the year's biggest event in gaming, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, or E3, have issued the following statement regarding the state of this year's E3 of this year's event and the impact of coronavirus. Quote, everyone is watching this situation very closely. We will continue to be vigilant as our first priority is health, wellness, and the safety of our exhibitors and attendees. Given what we know at this time, we are moving ahead full speed with E3 2020 planning. Exhibit and registration sales are on track for an exciting show in June, end quote. E3 is especially important for all parties involved this year as Microsoft is planning on unveiling more details regarding the Xbox Series X during the show. And the ESA, the company that runs E3, is largely dependent on the event uh, to earn funding and to stay afloat. So a lot riding on this year's E3 or E3 in general. So that would be a big one if we were to lose E3. So let's let's tackle GDC first because GDC is one of those events I think maybe a lot of people have heard of but maybe aren't super familiar with what it is. And it's essentially, it's not so much, you know, for us, for us consumers, it's more for developers and kind of the back-end people, as the name suggests. Uh, GDC is Game Developers Conference, and it's kind of a big event where, you know, publishers and developers and kind of meet and shake hands. It's where a lot of deals are made. It's where a lot of games secure publishers. It's where a lot of independent developers secure publishers. It's where a lot of studios hire uh, new new talent for their studios. So it's, it's a big event, and it's where a lot of things happen behind the scenes that end up, you know, resulting in the games that we get on and at the end, you know, as consumers. So it is a pretty big event. It's a big deal. And it's where, you know, a lot of lectures and talks are held that really enlighten developers and people in the industry of emerging technologies and 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 uh, just kind of things going on in the games industry just kind of it's just one of those things it's like i don't know how microsoft holds their ignite event every year it's just one of those things to help all the creators and the engineers and the behind the scenes people to learn and connect and network and do more to help continue to improve and build more stuff for us on the consumer end of the, of the, of the uh, spectrum. And then, of course, as I'm sure almost everyone, if, if not all, listening to the show are familiar with, there's E3, which is the more consumer-focused or media-focused uh, gaming event of the year, which is, you know, when all the big 
big guys come out and announce all their games for the year. Uh, of course, E3 has become weaker and weaker over the years as big names continue to drop out. Notably this year, Sony's announced that they're remaining absent again. So E3 is just kind of getting smaller and smaller by the year, but nonetheless still probably the biggest event in terms of just games announcements and, and, and news and just kind of its fervor for the games industry. It's, it is, so to speak, the Super Bowl of video games. So basically, coronavirus affecting this is, as you would assume, you know, awful for all parties involved. Um, GDC, like I was saying, it's just so many things happen behind the scenes. So many deals are made that, you know, this could be a massive blow to a lot of games in development, a lot of pr- plans and projects in development. This could be the kind of thing that gets games delayed, uh, that helps, you know, emerging games not secure publishing so that, you know, they can't come out and just all these kinds of things. So this is a really serious one. Now, you know, there's, they're talking about trying to push it out to the summer and trying to do GDC in the summer. But this is one of those things like once it's once it's pushed back and canceled like that, you're not getting it back. It's probably just canceled. Um, so this is a pretty serious deal. And the reason why you have to cancel an event like this is because when you're when you're dealing with the games industry, it's one of those these kinds of trade shows or it's one of those things where, you know, people are sharing controllers, playing games, putting on VR headsets, traveling from all corners of the world. It's you have so many germs spreading from all over the place in so many ways and and you know gaming related conventions are so notorious not that i've ever been to one but they're so notoriously they're so notorious for you know people getting sick people coming back from these things just sick because there's just so many germs from everywhere just spreading in so many ways because you think about like a normal business conference for like any other company and it's a lot of like meetings and and, uh, panels and just kind of at the most it's just a lot of people in a room and a lot of handshaking maybe at most uh, but then you go to an event like this and it's like you got people like everyone just like passing around the controller and putting on VR headsets and just meeting people developers from all over the world and there's just a lot more kind of connectivity and personal contact where a lot more things could go wrong so it, you know if you are a Microsoft to Sony and Amazon you know all these stu- companies that are pulling out of GDC, you got to protect your main talent. You got to protect the people who you're sending out to this conference, because even though coronavirus is way less threatening and prevalent than the media has suggested otherwise, it's still something you got to be cognizant of because they don't have a cure for it as of yet. It has killed people. So, and it is, it is getting worse or spreading further. So even though it's, it's a minute number of people, it isn't nothing. And we have to be, you know, you have to be aware of that, especially if you're Microsoft, you're not going to send out, you know, Phil Spencer, knowing full well it's highly unlikely he'll get sick but like what if you send him out and he does get sick then it's like you can't just clone phil spencer not yet you can't make can't clone phil spencer make him forwards and backwards compatible you gotta you gotta keep the one you got so this is just one of those things where it's an overabundance of caution and maybe maybe almost stupidly so but also i think they're making the right move not only that just for the kind of lawsuit hell that there could be if companies are forcing you know people to attend this event and they don't feel comfortable doing so as for e3 it looks like e3 is just like hey we don't really have an option we've got to do e3 there's no way we can cancel it so plan on e3 happening um but you know think about it in two months if coronavirus has gotten worse than it already has then i mean we could see the esa saying hey i mean we're gonna keep going with e3 but maybe everyone else pulls out and then that's that's just as bad as them ending the event or canceling altogether because the esa fully relies on e3 pretty much in order to in order to survive and i mean they they cannot afford to cancel this event they cannot let something like coronavirus get in the way. So hell or high water, they've gotta they've gotta put on E3 this year. But I think the bigger the bigger thing to keep an eye out on is 
So, yeah, E3 is going to happen, whatever comes our way, but that doesn't necessarily mean Microsoft won't pull out. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, Ubisoft and all these studios are going to show up and put on a show. They could pull out at any moment, and that's just a dangerous situation for the ESA. And honestly, you know, not to make light of, you know, a virus that has hurt and killed other people in in, in a more tertiary sense, it does suck for all of us how that can affect our... Um, our, our Super Bowl, so to speak, as games, as uh, as gamers, and um, an opportunity, you know, E3, the E3, the year of console releases, are always the most exciting E3s because that's, you know, that's when we get to see our Sony and Microsofts kind of go more in a punching bag kind of way with each other, and we get to see all the new features and bells and whistles of a console shown off on stage. And I don't know, that stuff's really really fun, and it'd be such a shame if we were robbed of that this year, all because all because the coronavirus. So. Not a massive, massive story, but still something to keep in mind and to be aware of as we move closer and closer to E3. So our next story, again, slow news week, so nothing super groundbreaking, but exciting nonetheless. Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary has surprise hit PC this week and can be downloaded right now on either Windows Store or Steam. The game alone will run players $10, although it can, of course, uh, be played through the Master Chief Collection, which is automatically included in when you buy, uh, which is, of course, the best way to play it and almost everyone should buy the master chief collection unless you are a uh, unless you are the evil villain from one of the toy story movies in which you are a toy so you cannot play xbox you idiot of course the master chief collection is available on game pass for pc so players can also experience it that way uh, the game is the exact same as it is on xbox 360 and xbox one allowing players to seamlessly transition between the game's classic visuals and modern enhanced visuals please for the love of god Go and play this if you're a PC player. If you have fallen off the Halo bandwagon because you're a PC only guy, go play Halo CE. It is such a classic. It never gets old and it is awesome to see it on PC. Now it looks like they are releasing these Halo games on PC in chronological order. So we started with Reach and now we're on to Halo 1. And I assume they'll just go right up the list from 2 through 4 now, which I was I was discussing with my brother. I understand why they would do it that way. It makes perfect sense. But it's almost a shame that they won't just do like Halo 3, then Halo 4, then Halo 2 last, as I know this is a con- this is a controversial take, um, but I am of the mindset uh, that Halo 2 is the weakest Halo game. It just doesn't do it for me as, as well as the other ones do. I, I like Halo 2. It's a great game. I just think it's by far the weakest. But nonetheless, expect Halo 2 to be coming to PC, I'd assume kind of imminently, maybe in the next two months or so. It seems like they're really pumping these things out now that now that they now that they already got reach. It seems like they're just gonna kind of pump them out, and I guess it makes sense. It's not too much work. I don't know to port over. Not that I really understand, but I, I assume it's not too much work to really get these things moved over as games are already built on PCs, and you know they already have this game built, so it's just a matter of finalizing a PC build. I'm not really sure how that works, but yeah, hopefully we'll see all the uh, Halo Master Chief game or Halo Master Chief Collection games come to PC uh, before Halo Infinite comes out so that PC players can kind of catch up to, to speed on all the Halos before jumping into what is inevitably going to be the greatest game of 2020, 2021, and beyond because it is Halo, baby. And I, and I left out ODST, so hopefully ODST will be coming in there too. Maybe they'll go in order. Maybe they'll go two, three, ODST, and then four. 
but who knows. All right, our next story of the week, Platinum Games, the team behind the canceled Scalebound and the recently released Vanquish and Bayonetta collection, are expanding with a second studio located in Tokyo. The original studio is headquartered in Osaka, Japan, but with a new team, director Hideki Kamiya looks to staff it with, quote, crazy people who want to make games, end quote. The new studio aims to bring Platinum's employee count from 240 to about 340 with 100 new employees. The new studio will be taking on projects that are unlike ones seen from the studio before, such as games as a service type games. The studio has recently announced a desire to start self-publishing and owning full rights to their games, along with some funding from Chinese gaming conglomerate Tencent. Platinum has been making lots of news lately, and as shakeups keep coming from the beloved developer. So... This is a weird one. Um, I, I think the big takeaway on this one for me is that they got a little bit of money from Tencent not too long ago, and now they're going to open a second studio that might be making things like games as a service games. And it's just like, yeah, that checks out. You know, you get that you get that CD Chinese money, and, and they go, hey, you know what we like to play over here? We like to play those free to play, free to play hero shooters and strategy games and bullshit like that. So. We're going to see Platinum Games make their, uh, maybe they'll make their League of Legends or something like that. I don't know. It's it's presumptuous to, you know, call them out like that immediately, but I'm not a massive fan of Tencent, and I'm not a massive fan of these types of games, and I think Platinum Games is such a talented and underappreciated developer that it's sad to see them make a, make a statement like that and make these kinds of decisions when it's like, uh, I feel like you could do better, but... If, you know, if that's the direction they want to head in, I understand. They Platinum Games makes a lot of, you know, solo, single-player, play-once-and-you're-done kind of games. And, you know, while obviously those kinds of games have a place still and they still do well for the most part, uh, it, it is nice to have a game that can kind of make money in the background while you venture and do other things, you know? You look at someone like like Respawn Entertainment, who's still making, you know, single-player first-person games like Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, but they're also able to just kind of keep consistently that cash flow going with Apex Legends, and they have an entire team dedicated to Apex Legends while they have an, another team dedicated to other games, you know, other non-Apex Legends-related games, although... Respawn's maybe not the best example because we all lose without the without the development and the confirmation of a Titanfall 3. But yeah, I think the same kind of goes for Platinum Games where it's like, I think a lot of developers are kind of in this boat where they want to find their games as a service that they can segment another dev team within the studio to just kind of build and maintain so that they can just kind of have this steady, constant cash flow. And if you're trying to be self-sufficient, if you're trying to operate without a publisher, this is kind of a good way to do that because this would just kind of be like constant investment without having to need outside, you know, outside sources kind of funnel that money to you. And then that would allow them to do whatever the hell it is they want to do. You know, I, I'm kind of of the mindset that scale bound isn't gone forever. I think, you know, that, that quote from a few weeks ago that they're kind of still interested in it, but Microsoft has the rights to the game and and the IP. Um, I kind of think that there's a, there's a future where maybe Microsoft just relinquishes the rights to Scalebound and Platinum is able to just go ahead and make that, you know, regardless of how close whatever they make is to what we were originally going to get. But yeah, I, th- I think scale- something like Scalebound could, could be in the cards or just something new altogether. Like I said, Platinum, they're not like a studio you can look at and really guess what they're going to make. You know, they make shit from like the wonderful 101 to like Bayonetta and there's just like no consistency or parallel between any of their games other than maybe just like crazy over-the-top stylish combat um so it'd be nice it'd be nice to see 
Platinum have a little more free reign and creative freedom and just uh, funding in general so they can do whatever wacky shit is they want to do uh, rather than have to do things like make more Legend of Korra games like these Avatar tying games that they once made that were not very good. Uh, but nonetheless, that's what Platinum Games is up to and hopefully uh, that yields some positive results because going into that games as, as a service territory can be really dangerous as it's such a competitive field. So wishing you all the best. All right, and then our final story of this slow news week is coming from Windows Central. It is that Xbox head Phil Spencer, a boy Phil always making the news, visited the Gears of War developer, The Coalition, this week and tweeted out an update regarding Gears 5, stating that he saw some, quote, enhancements that makes Gears 5 look better than it ever has. Spencer could possibly be alluding to an Xbox Series X update to the game that would improve the game's visuals and performance, much in the way that many Xbox One games got updates with the Xbox One X when it was released in 2017. If it is to be the case, hopefully we will see more Xbox One games get some Xbox Series X updates in the years to come. Here's hoping for maybe some Halo 5 updates or something like that. This is a cool thing. This is a, I don't know, on the one hand, I'm like, maybe that's a waste of development time, you know? It's like, Guys, work on a new project. You know, Gears 5 is a great game. It looks and plays great. We don't need you to keep updating it. You know, that's just overkill. But on the other hand, it's like, how nice is that? You know, that especially a game like Gears 5 where it's like it has a multiplayer component that lives on beyond, you know, just the the eight-hour, ten-hour campaign where it's like we know people are still going to be playing Gears 5 for years to come, especially until whatever the next Gears of War game is. So just because the Xbox Series X comes out doesn't mean people are going to stop playing Gears 5. So, you know, because that's still going to be the de facto or the modern standard for Gears of War, people shouldn't have to be playing like this older last-gen visual version of that game so to kind of offer you know some xbox series x enhancements to the game to bring it up to par with what the new console can do it just makes it feel a little more modern and on par with the hardware you're playing it on so i do appreciate from that that point of view but also it would be exciting to see this kind of technology spread out to other games um for example you know a game like control which i I, as i've mentioned at the top i still haven't played it yet but we one big criticism a lot of outlets have given to control is that the frame rate kind of stutters a lot it doesn't look like it runs all that well on ps4 and xbox one and you know it could really use some extra console power to really make that thing be a smooth buttery experience and so what if remedy was like okay we're gonna make a xbox series x ps5 patch for the game that makes it run a lot better on newer hardware and then boom, now someone like me who waited so long to play Control can just play on the Xbox Series X and have a way better experience than people who played it a year ago because now it runs and looks better on this console. And of course, you know, just by default, you know, new consoles make some games run better just because they have higher, you know, higher specs. And so things like frame rate sometimes are just kind of normally solved a little bit. But also there's sometimes development hiccups and development reasons that hold the game back from being as visually and performance-wise impressive as it could otherwise be. So to see publishers kind of take the time to update that stuff for the Xbox Series X, I think it would be really cool. Uh, Again, especially in this kind of era of more like fluid games as a service type deals where you have a game like Apex Legends and Fortnite, which will no doubt be a big part of Xbox Series X. But, you know, they came out during the Xbox One era, so... Why not just make a Xbox Series X update for the game so it just looks way more next-gen, you know, for a game like 
Apex Legends. So hopefully that's what this is kind of alluding to is that, you know, a lot we, we saw a lot of this when Xbox One X came out, and hopefully we can expect to see a lot more of it as we move into the Xbox Series X kind of era. So that's, that's why I took that as. Um, otherwise, maybe Phil Spencer is just at the Coalition because he's like, you guys lost Rod Ferguson. Now I need you all to line up one by one and bend over my lap so I can give you each a spanking because now now this studio has no daddy. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe that was it. Like I said, really really slow news week, so I do apologize for the lack of not only quantity of news stories but just like just some really like meaty, interesting stories. I feel like all those were kind of what they were, but, you know, I don't control the news. I just, I just report it. I'm just a reporter, so... I do have a couple little like tidbit stories, some some small ones. Two of them actually. The first one's pretty pretty neat. If you're if you're like me and you like this game, uh, so despite leaving the digital storefronts last year, Capcom have announced that 2013's Ducktales Remastered has once again been brought back to PS3, Xbox 360, Xbox One via backwards compatibility, Wii U, and Steam. So um, if you were if you were one of the miss the boat kind of people who didn't download this game before it was taken down from storefronts last year, it's back. So go ahead and download it now. Just secure that shit before it ever goes away again. But that's cool. That's the second time we've seen this happen. Last week we saw that happen with uh, Castle of Illusions, and now we're seeing that with Ducktales. So it looks like there's uh, some 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 hope for all these games that kind of just lose their IP rights and then disappear off digital storefronts forever. So these are some these are some promising stories here. The other one is that Jason Blundell, co-studio head of Treyarch, has announced that he will be leaving the studio. Blundell is most notable for directing Call of Duty Black Ops and directing the popular Zombies Horde mode. At the time of this writing, there is no word on where he will end up next, but I am wishing him the very best and thanking him, of course, for not Call of Duty World at War Nazi Zombies, which was an absolute magnificent game mode. It was not only the first venture into the Zombies mode Call of Duty ever did, but it was also the best they ever did. And I still think about, you know, how goddamn fun it was to play those old Nazi zombie maps back in the Call of Duty World at War days, back when back when we were innocent, back when uh back when Joe Biden was the vice president and not whatever the hell he is now. Now that I've lost half my uh, Democratic audience, let's jump into the new game releases of the week from Xbox Wire. There are a total of five games coming to Xbox this week. All five of them I'm going to read to you right now. You know, I mean, that hey, there's proof that's a slow news week. There's only five games coming to Xbox. I mean, normally that list is like 20-something long, and I have to bullshit my way through it. But now we have the time to go through them one by one and give each of these five games the attention, the proper attention they deserve. Oh, boy. Our first game is called Amoeba Battle. In this game, you will play as a robot surrounded by amoeba, and it is your duty to destroy the amoeba. It is an RTS game, but it is in the art style of Ori in the Blind Forest. But it is not Ori in the Blind Forest. So just wait another goddamn week, show some fucking patience, and play Ori in the Will of the Wisps next week when it comes out. Our next game here is called Tom Clancy's The Division 2 Warlords of New York Edition, March 3rd, Xbox on Xbox One X Enhanced. That's a long-ass title, which means that's probably a really long game. So if you're interested in getting a lot of bang for your buck, I'm going to highly recommend this game. Now, I will say, in the, in, in the screenshot, looks like there is a recruit. He has a backpack. He's well-equipped. He has an assault rifle. This gentleman has a fine haircut, and he is taking orders from someone with an eye patch. And this person with the eye patch is pointing to locations on a map. I assume she's she's giving him directions. She's giving him an assignment. But 
not to be insensitive to those that are visually impaired, but you know, if I if I'm a guy who's well prepared, I got a flashlight, I got a backpack, possibly some rations, some med kits, and an assault rifle. I'm not taking I'm not taking orders from someone who sees half of what I see. So hopefully this game has some true player agency and you're able to just mow them down and and go about your own way. And if not, you can just play Grand Theft Auto V because that's what that game does. And our next game is called Syrup and the Ultimate Sweet. This is one of those games where you play as an anime girl. One of them's a cat. One of them's a lollipop. One of them has blue hair. And just kind of furthering that narrative that all the anime girls and all the weeaboo girls like cats and like to exhibit cat-like behavior, which is fucking weird. This is a game that allows you to live out that fantasy. You are... You have a tail, so you don't have to worry about that. You have an additional limb. Uh, you got dialogue, skill trees probably, I assume. And you can... Uh, let me just read this this on-screen text from the screenshot. It says, Meow, wow, where did you get such an impressive golem? I thought you hated magic things, Yeah. So if you play that game, you're the reason the coronavirus is happening, so... I hope you feel all the weight of those 3,000 deaths if you download this fucking game. It's called Syrup in the Ultimate Suite. Definitely recommend playing it. Awesome game. Our next game is called Baron. Fur is gonna fly. This basically looks like some fucking furry-ass Super Smash Bros. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if you want to play as a variety of animals, including a shrimp, this is literally a tiny shrimp, then, yeah, you can play this awesome fighter. It is a uh, it it actually is exactly that so yeah it's Xbox One X enhanced so you'll get to see all the details on that shrimp. Our next game is called Sixty Seconds. Comes out March six, which is a great day for a game to come out. It is a dark comedy atomic adventure uh, of scavenging and survival. Basically, what we're getting from the screenshot here though is there are two people in the house. One of the chairs has been knocked over in this living room, and you are just kind of exploring the environment. But the the, the bigger thing at hand here is that. You have a selection of like like an inventory selection of emotes and options, and one of them is a waved hand, one of them is a, a neutral face, another one is a neutral face but with a lighter tone, and then the last one just looks like gun bullets. So I assume this is like one of those things where it's like here you are in a home, you're you're looking at your home, you've already knocked over a chair. Do you want to wave at your wife with a neutral face and be like, hey, I, I take ownership of this fallen chair, I will pick it up and I apologize for my mistake, or do you want to? perhaps pull out some bullets and make a threat. I, I guess it's a, like most games today, it's all about player agency. So now you have the choice. Do you want to, do you want to pick up this chair or do you want to start shooting some people in your own home? And then in the corner, there's like a, a timer. So it looks like you, you have to make these decisions in a, in a set amount of time, but yeah, that's it for our new games of, of the week. As a reminder, you know, you got your games with gold. So for the month of March, we've got Batman, the enemy within the complete season download that shit it's march you got no excuse then we got uh shanti the half genie hero which i feel like has been on games of gold before but i guess not but it's available the second half of march through the first half of april then on the xbox 360 side you've got castlevania lords of shadow 2 which is available now through the 15th and then lastly you got sonic generations available from march 16th to march 31st you gotta go fast it's such a fucking good game you gotta play march sonic generations because it has a little remade level of every sonic game forever starting from sonic 1 sonic 2 sonic 3 knuckles 
Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure 2, Sonic Heroes, Sonic 06, Sonic Unleashed, and then Sonic Colors. It is such a fantastic game. Let me tell you what, there are daytime levels, only no Werehog levels, and then there's some 2D Sonic levels, but the really important thing is it mixes up every level. It's so good. There's some songs from Cash Cash. They redo uh, City Escape from Sonic Adventure 2. If you don't know what song that is, it's the one that you remember from Sonic Adventure 2 with the surfboard. It's the one that all the, all the, all the, all the 90s kids remember about Sonic. It's the one thing we pretend wasn't stupid about Sonic because that song is undoubtedly cool. Please play this game it's so awesome and yes you can go so fast and it controls well anyway and if you have a problem with it you can suck my insert noun it's such a good game please play sonic generations it's if it's the only thing i can ask of you i feel i feel so off i feel so off this week i'm sorry if this is a weird week i promise we'll be back next week i'm running off like zero hours of sleep and it's just been a weird weird news week but if if this week is a testament to anything it's that this show will always be out each and every thursday regardless of quality. I want you to know that my promise to you is that you will always get an episode of Xbox On, regardless of whether or not it is a quality episode of Xbox On. And maybe that is why we've hit over 100 YouTube views. So thank you so much, as always, for listening. If you'd like to follow me on social media, you can absolutely do so. I am only on the dark web, though, so you'll have to look me up there. But yeah, find me. And then aside from that, good buddy Eric, who I haven't spoken to in months, so I don't know why I'm calling you good buddy Eric. Where the hell are you? I see you keep playing Dead by Daylight or whatever that game is. If maybe you want to be a real man, you can come over here and play, I don't know, play some Halo, play some Apex Legends. We can play a game where you do fun stuff instead of just chase scary people around a map. That'd be nice. I miss you. Nonetheless, here's a, here's a song from Eric. Fucking freak. Sweet. Sweet.